Good morning, everyone. Kevin here from Skywatcher, and welcome to another episode of the What's Up webcast. Today is Friday, December 2nd, 2022. Um, this is the last month of 2022. I have no idea where the year went. Um, uh, thank all of you for sitting and hanging out with us this entire year. I hope you've enjoyed the episodes. We still got a few episodes left before we wrap up 2022. Um, but yeah. It's the end of the year. It's crazy to be here. Um, so uh, today is the What's Up webcast. We're checking out What's Up in the Skies for December 2022. Um, we also have some stuff I want to tell you about. Um, but real quick, um, before we get really deep into things, um, if you have never been with us before, uh, please go ahead and subscribe. Leave a like on a video. Um, if you have any questions on the What's Up webcast, please email us at info at skywatcherusa.com and uh, let us know how we're doing and what you want to see. And let me make sure I've got something fixed here real quick. Uh, let me save this. I remembered there was a little thing I wanted to fix in here. I think we're okay now. Okay. All right, so if you like what you see here, please email us at info at skywatchusa.com if you have any ideas for future episodes. Uh, we appreciate it. Title your email, What's Up? And uh, if you like what you see here, please go ahead and subscribe. If you want to see what's coming up for Skywatcher, you want to know what uh, new products are coming out, you want to know what the episode is for the week on the What's Up webcast, go to skywatchusa.com, <clears throat> hit the subscribe button at the top, and enter your information you can be part of our uh, email blast which lets you know what's going on uh, here in the world of skywatcher a uh, couple things real quick um it is uh let me see i've got a lot of stuff to cover for you guys today um it is the first of the month so we're going to be talking about totem um we had some really good submissions for this month i know it was quite a challenge for some of you to do um it's a very difficult target um but if you're looking for something cool for the holidays and you can't get what you want, you can pick yourself up a Skywatcher shirt. Um, you can put that under the tree. It might fit in a stocking. Maybe you can't get that EQ8 that you want in time for the holidays. You can get an EQ8 shirt, pop that in there, and wait until your mount comes in. <clears throat> um, we do have a bunch of stuff in stock. Uh, a pretty wide variety of things are available right now. So if you're looking for something at the time of this recording, again, this is Friday, December 2nd, 2022. Uh, I know we have EQ6RIs in stock. Evolux, I think we have some. You can check with your dealer. Um, you can also buy through our website now. If you want to buy uh, products, you can buy through your favorite dealer or you can buy through the skywatchusa.com website as well. Um, so something cool. Uh, but we also have the skywatcher.threadless.com shirts and all kinds of swag there if you're looking for something cool to go under the tree or whatever this year. So you can go there and pick that up. And uh, yeah, so pretty cool. <clears throat> all right. So in other news, we have something new to announce this morning. Um, it's a new product. It's been in the works for a while and it's finally here. And I will also mention they're in stock right now so you can order them right now there is no delay anymore um, for some or a new product you can get it immediately um, because they are available as of today 
So you can check with your local dealer, you can order on the website, whatever you wanna do. Um, so I would like to introduce all of you to the CQ350. Um, so the CQ350 is our brand new equatorial mount that has been announced today globally. Um, I will, they are available right now, um, at least here in the US and North America region, cause that's all we handle. Please check globally. Please check with your local distributor if you're in a different region of the, the world. Um, but for here in the United States and Canada, these are available right now. Um, CQ350 is our new uh, heavyweight field mount. Um, it's 77 pound payload capacity. The weight of the mount head by itself is just 33 pounds. So it's fairly lightweight for the head. Um, the tripod is three inch uh, rolled steel tripod legs. Uh, these have homing sensors built in, built in USB and auxiliary ports for cable management, belt drive. It's also the first equatorial mount in the Skywatcher lineup that has belt drive, I'm sorry, not belt drive, spring loaded worm gears on the right ascension and the deck. Um, it's a DV saddle, so you're ready to go with any dovetail that you want. Um, and this is a specially designed mount. So the equatorial bar or the counterweight bar is in two different positions. You can either do straight down or angled out, which gives you a low latitude capability um, from 10 degrees to 70 degrees latitude range. Um, and this is also going to be available. You can buy it as the mount head only if you want to put it on a pier um, or you can buy it as a kit um, with that big uh, beefy tripod. I will tell you, um, having one myself right now this is my favorite mount in our lineup uh as as of right now reason being is um i love the eq8r i love the eq6rs but a mount like this with a 77 pound payload means any logical tube that you want to get on the market will go on it you want a c14 you could put a c14 on it uh you want a quattro 300 you can put a quattro 300 on it a spree 150 no problem something like this is something that we really felt we needed to fill the gap on um and that's why the cq350 exists it sits in between that eq8 and the eq6 uh ranges of mounts and fills that medium capacity um the EQ6 is a great mount, but I do find that a lot of people max them out fairly quickly. So this, the CQ350s are going to fill that niche to where you can mount whatever you want on it within reason, of course. But this is a true imaging mount. Um, it's light enough to go into the field. It's beefy enough to be in an observatory. It's just all around um, a nice system. It is a little different design. Um, than some of our other equatorials um, that you may see. Um, it does have uh, an internal hub in there so you can route your cables through there. Um, you can't route your own cables, but there are hubs and auxiliary ports on the mount um, that you can plug everything into if you'd like. Um, and then the belt drive is gonna help reduce the backlash um, as with all the belt drives on the rest of ours as well. Um, and then we use stepper motors um, instead of servos. So there's no backlash because there's no worm, um, worm block. Um, there's no gearbox in these mounts because we are not using servos. We're using steppers. Um, and these do have homing sensors on them. So you can actually home it. It knows where the home position is on the right ascension on the deck, which is a good uh, thing for remote. Um, 
but this is a true equatorial mount. It's not an offset saddle design. Um, it's saddle sits right above, you know, the mount as uh, it normally should. Um, so it's not an offset design or anything like that. It's a true equatorial. This has a designed a little bit differently. So uh, this is the CQ350. Uh, next Friday, we're doing a full overview episode on the mount. So I don't want to go into complete details about them because um, we're going to spend all next Friday going over it. But if you want to know all the fun specs, they're on the website right now at skywatchusa.com. Just go under products, CQ350, and there they are. And they're available right now. You can literally order one. They're in the warehouse. You'll have a nice mount pretty soon. Um, so like I said, you can buy this as a mount head only. It comes with two 22-pound counterweights. Uh, that's about 3,500 right now. And then let's see. Do we have the collection up? You can actually get it as the full kit as well. They're 4265. That's with the three-inch rolled steel tripod, mount head, and two counterweights um, as well. So it's a beefy mount um but it's my favorite one so far that we've done because i don't have to worry about what i put on it anymore i can put anything i want i love our eq6 r's um and this works just like all the other mounts um i'm using it with an asi air right out of the box just like any other skywatcher mount with the eq mod cable or, or your setup you plug right in you're ready to go you're just getting capacity now <clears throat> um so very nice mount. We're going to go into details next week, so I don't want to go full on into everything the mount does and its capabilities. But if you want to know more, go to skywatcherusa.com and uh, head over there and check out the details and you can get them now. So if you're looking for a mount for under the tree, there you go. Um, but yeah, we'll... Uh, we'll be checking it out more soon so anyway stay tuned for next friday and you'll learn the whole ins and outs of the cq350 um, all the details are on the web page there and if you want to know more join us next friday and we'll go over all the nitty-gritty um craig yes it does have usb port uh it's built into it <clears throat> all the details are in there if you want to know more um check out next week all right, so let's get started on what's up for the month. Um, of course, the biggest, brightest thing in the nighttime sky is going to be the moon. Uh, new moon weekend is going to be, well, new moon is December 23rd, um, which means the dark sky weekend is Christmas weekend, um, December 24th and 25th. Um, so Santa's going to be flying in the dark uh, this year. He's going to need Rudolph at this point. So... Uh, but yeah, your dark sky weekend is going to be the 24th and the 25th. Um, so new moon weekend, it's going to be cold as well. <clears throat> um, full moon is December 7th. Um, and for this month, uh, this moon is known as the cold moon. Now the cold moon, the nickname is a Mohawk name um, that basically cover is basically saying how cold this time of year is going to get. It's known for the extreme cold this time of year, um, but the cold moon does come from the Mohawk. Um, and uh, let's see, can it be used without counterweights at lower payload capacity? No, this is a traditional equatorial mount. It has to be balanced. This isn't a harmonic drive mount where you could not use counterweights. You don't use counterweights on this, you're gonna blow out the motors. 
Um, so the CQ350 does uh, need to be used and balanced as a traditional equatorial. <clears throat> if you have more questions, throw them down. I'll be happy to answer them at the end. <clears throat> um, and we will be going over the CQ350 in full next Friday. I just wanted to announce it today. <clears throat> we did. I'm sorry. This is a Skywatcher effort. Um, so full moon is December 7th. It is the cold moon. Uh, planets. Um, you've probably been out the last couple months seeing what planets are up right now. Um, but one thing I want to mention um, is on, sorry, next Wednesday, December 7th, at least visible here in the U.S., most of the U.S. and Canada, um, I believe, uh, I have to go back and look. Uh, we have an occultation of Mars. Mars is going to be blocked by the moon. So full moon uh, is December 7th. And Mars, for most of the U.S., is actually going to be um, occulted by the moon. Um, this is going to be a very cool time-lapse opportunity, um, at least here in Arizona, um, to give you a time frame, uh, about mountain time. So it starts about 9... What is this? 7... Just before 7.30, uh, Mars and the moon will be getting pretty close to each other. And then Mars will be completely covered by the moon. <clears throat> Again, this is next Wednesday, the evening of next Wednesday, December 7th, um, Pearl Harbor Day. And then about an hour later or so, on the other side of the moon, Mars is going to pop back out. Um, so this is going to be a really cool photo opportunity or just an observation opportunity. Hopefully you're clear and have good seeing to do it. Um, but it'll be a really cool uh, time lapse that you could do as well. I'm going to have to get out and try to do it. Um, but there's a link in um, the chat there that tells you more about the occultation of Mars. This is going to be a very cool thing to see. Um, so I would try to make sure you're getting out there and uh, make sure you can get out and watch this because it's kind of a rare thing. I know I'm going to make efforts to get out there. It better be clear. Um, but yeah, so that's Mars. Mars is visible right now. Um, it's not as big as it was two years ago, of course, but it is visible right now. You can get some ice caps and dark details on the planet with some higher magnification. Um, but then you're going to have this little rendezvous between the two, the moon and Mars, next Wednesday night on December 7th. So that's Mars. Um, what else is up, of course? Uh, we still have Saturn hanging out there. Saturn is pretty far to the west um, in the early evening. So we're not going to have Saturn much longer, but it's still a good time to get out. You can see the rings. There's plenty of moons around Saturn that you can see, but Saturn is awesome. Um, and we should have that through the holidays at least. So if you're getting a telescope for the holidays, you can get out and look at Saturn. Of course, we have Jupiter hanging out nice and bright. That's well positioned um, right after sundown. It's basically high, very high up. So you can see that and uh, get a view of that. The Galilean moons and all. Um, try to see if you can see the red spot. Uh, Uranus is obviously hanging out up there as well. A little bit more of a distant challenge. Um, but Uranus is one of my favorite planets because it's a little blue ball and it's so far out there. It just looks kind of cool um, hanging out in the star field there. But that's the planet Uranus. And then we also have Neptune, which I need to actually search here. But Neptune is up. 
would help if I could type right. There we go. Neptune is, I knew it was right by Jupiter somewhere, but Neptune is just in front of Jupiter. So in a row, we have Saturn, Neptune, Jupiter, Uranus, and Mars. Um, that is our collection of planets right now. All of those are telescopic, um, great telescope targets. Um, Neptune's going to be a bit of a challenge because it's so small and it's a darker blue. Um, so Neptune's a challenge, but you should be able to get some kind of disk um, at higher power. Uranus is a bit easier to see the disk. Um, and then, of course, Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars are much easier targets to actually observe. Um, but go on out, check it out. Um, those are the planets right now. And then, of course, on Wednesday night, don't forget that there's that occultation of Mars and the moon. That's going to be a very cool thing to photograph. Um, and then there is a link in the chat there if you want to know more details about where it's visible and the time frame for where you can catch it. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing some cool objects or some cool images uh, from that. Uh, so those are the planets. That's what's up right now hanging out. Um, yeah. Uh, next up is the sun. Um, the sun is getting quite active. There's some good detail out there. Um, I was observing it on Sunday. We were doing some solar imaging and there was some nice detail up there. However, there is a very large sunspot that just came around uh, the limb. And let me see. Here we go. Um, this is the gong uh, solar uh so you can see there's a nice this is right now this is fairly live there's some nice prominences up there some filaments very large filament right here that looks pretty good but this this big thing sitting right here on the edge this active region is something that you're probably one of going to keep an eye out it was throwing a major prominence out the other day um, but is now come onto the limb so there's going to be some really cool activity going on um, with this active region and I don't even know what it's called, uh, but we can go to space weather and they do it. So this is active region 3153. There are some smaller ones hanging out. So 3152, 54, 55, 53 is big. Um, this would look awesome in white light. There's another one hanging out up here. I'm going to guess this is going to be 56 is maybe 3156 is the active region that that's probably going to be. This would look great in like calcium K because there's a lot of plage detail around there. Uh, if you don't know enough about observing the sun, first, don't do it unless you have the proper filters ever. Um, but second, if you want to know more about solar observing, we did about a year or so ago go over safe solar observing and all the types of filters that are out and available and what they do. Um, so you can go out there and learn about that. Now's the time to get the filters because we're less than a year away from the first major eclipse here in North America. Um, but there is this really nice, chunky, active region sunspot collection that's coming around the disk right now, which would be great for viewing or imaging. Um, so that's coming up right now. Um, the sunspots are going to go look good in pretty much any filter. And then if there's any major prominences and such, um, you're going to want the hydrogen alpha narrowband filters for solar, not nighttime H alpha. A dedicated solar hydrogen alpha system is what you're going to want to be able to observe the details like this um, that you see on the screen there. Um, but yeah, so that is what's going up on the sun right now. It's a pretty cool stuff the sun is getting much more active now so now's the time to get involved 
Uh, meteor showers. Um, we have the Geminid meteor showers. Um, wait, what happened there? Jumped ahead a little bit. Uh, Geminid meteor shower that's happening in a few days, December 14th and 15th. Um, we're going to have a bit of a bright moon to contend with. So you're going to have to keep that in mind. Um, it should be, it'll be after full moon, um, of course, because full moon's on the 7th. So the moon will be rising later, but that's generally when the meteor showers are best, um, is after midnight. Um, so the Geminids should be good, but you might be, uh, covered up with some bright moonlight. Um, but go out to dark skies, see what you can get. Um, there you go. That's the Geminid meteor shower peaking on December 14th and 15th of this month. Comets. Um, I like to go to cometchasing.skyhound.com, which looks a lot like none of this. Comet chasing. There it is. Uh, cometchasing.skyhound.com is my favorite website to look up what comets are relevant at the moment. Um, tells you all the bright ones, where they're at. Um, it's just a good overall source um, to go with. Um, so right now, probably the easiest one to catch, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere right now, looks to be C2022E3. Uh, Zift? ZTF? Whatever. Um, ninth magnitude, it's up in Serpens. Um, <clears throat> so this is a good one to go after right now. It's saying it's about magnitude 9, which is easy in most telescopes so uh, go check that out that looks to be there is this one down here c2020 v2 um also ztf which i'm not familiar with that one um i don't look at comets that much unless they're pretty good um this one's also visible this is up in cepheus right now so this one's actually pretty well placed the c2020 v2 but it is a bit dimmer it's in 10.5 uh, 10 magnitude so still an easy telescope target, um, but it's probably rather small. Um, but there's a, a range of them visible right now. So if you're looking to go after some comets, either imaging or visual, this is the website I like to go and take a look at because it just covers all the ones that we should be paying attention to um, without having to drag through it. Unless you're like really into comets, I get it. Um, but they're fun and it, it'll keep you up to date with if there's any particular one that might flare up here soon and be really awesome so uh but yeah there is all of that that's comet chasing in december <clears throat> deep sky okay let's talk about all the fun stuff that's up and i don't have enough time to talk about half of all the cool things that are up um of course the big one up that's right now is m31 the andromeda galaxy that's of course in Andromeda everyone's usually familiar with it about two and a half million light years away you can see this naked eye from a dark sky site it looks phenomenal in binoculars it, you can really just see the extension of how big the galaxy is in a good pair of binoculars like 50 millimeter binoculars in a dark sky site and you just look up and see how vast um, Andromeda actually is in the night sky it's pretty impressive it's one of my favorite ways to observe it because you just see how big it is um, imaging, it's something you can do in town. Of course, dark skies are always going to help with visual or imaging. Um, but there is some cool H2 regions. There's also some hydrogen clouds that are around the galaxy 
or at least in the foreground of the galaxy um, that you can pick up using an H-alpha filter or some narrowband work that you can add to your images there. Um, but that's M31. That's in the constellation of Andromeda. Um, under dark skies with like a 10 or 12 inch telescope, you should start to see some of these darker dust lanes like these two uh, right here. You should also be able to see M32 and M110. Um, from darker skies, you should be able to see M32 pretty often um, in a minor telescope, but um, darker skies are going to give you more detail, more extensions in the arms, and then you can pick out M110 a lot easier uh, as well from a darker sky site visually, and of course the cameras uh, will be a lot happier from a dark location as well. <clears throat> Um, not too far from M31 is M33, the Triangulum Galaxy, about 3.2 million light years away. Um, this one does better visually in dark sky sites because it's a lot more diffuse. Um, the arms are fairly nebulous and faint, um, and they get washed out very easily visually from even minor light pollution. So this does very well in a darker sky. Some good aperture will help. Um, if you start to look close um, in a darker sky, you can start to see these little H2 uh, clumps in there. Those are star forming regions in the arms of the galaxy. Um, I know from a dark sky site in my 28 inch daub, it looks very similar in structure to what you see here in the image, but it is rather faint as it goes out. So you have to actually spend a little bit more time looking, but it's a very nice galaxy. Um, in dark, dark skies, you can actually see it in binoculars, um, but it, it's a good one to go after. It is a little bit more challenging imaging wise um, because it's very faint. It would, It's something that I would tread cautiously with in town if you're dealing with gradients because how, like I said, nebulous or diffuse the arms are when you're dealing with gradients from in town imaging, it can be a pain to deal with something so diffuse like this while dealing with a gradient. So this does better from dark sky sites when you don't have to deal so much with a gradient in your image. Um, but I've seen people do it. Um, it does have good H2 regions in it. So add some hydrogen alpha detail to pop out those little H2 uh, regions in there. But, um, there you go, M33, another good target to go after <clears throat> uh, this fall. Um, globular clusters, we have M15, that's up in Pegasus. Um, let's see, would you use any filters for visual to see M33? Galaxies don't really respond well to filters. Um, you could use a general light pollution filter if you want to kind of knock the background out and maybe pop the contrast a little bit. Um, but other than a light pollution filter, you know, like a CLS filter or an L-Pro filter, like a general light pollution filter, galaxies don't really respond well to anything nebula-wise. Um, <clears throat> another good target is M15. M15 is a great, easy target to go after. So if you're doing public events, it's a fun one to show. Um, it's kind of the last of the easy globular clusters because all the globular clusters are generally situated in the summer sky. Um, M15 is nice and high in Pegasus. It's an easy one to go after even in town um, to show a globular cluster. Um, imaging wise, you can do it in town. Globulars are pretty easy to actually image from anywhere. 
because um, they don't have that diffuse problem like galaxies and nebulas do. They're very bright, they're very detailed, short exposures, you can get some nice color in the stars, but I feel like a lot of people do overlook them uh, quite a bit. I know I have, um, but they are fun to shoot. They are very easy to shoot um, in, in town or in a dark sky. Now, the thing about M15, um, which I was surprised when I actually imaged this um, from our remote observatory, was the integrated flux nebula that's actually sitting in this region. I didn't know it was there. Um, I've seen it in other pictures now, but I was not aware that it was there at the time of imaging this. Um, this is an Esprit 150 with a 6200 one-shot color. Um, and you can see that very obviously there is this very nice uh, flux nebula. So if you're going to be imaging this from dark skies, go after it. See what you can get from it because there's some good stuff floating around in there. Visually, I don't think you would see the flux nebula. You would have to have some major aperture, very dark skies, and really good transparency to even attempt to see any kind of integrated flux nebula around any major target. Um, you really need to pay attention to the star field if you're trying to do something this faint visually. But imaging wise, the cameras pick it up quick. Um, but that's M15, very forgiving, very easy target to see uh, visually. And of course, imaging wise, it's another very easy target to image. Don't forget about imaging globular clusters because they, they hold their own and it allows you to kind of get used to imaging without having to really mess too much with the processing. Of course, one of the biggest ones up right now is M45, the Pleiades cluster. It's in Taurus, about 500 light years away. This looks good in pretty much everything. Naked eye, binoculars, small telescopes, big telescopes. Um, we were actually observing this early or late last month from a dark sky just west of Phoenix. Um, a friend of mine brought his 20-inch F3 daub out, which was very nice. Um, and we could see the nebulosity in the Pleiades. It was actually pretty cool to see. So the brighter portion right down here is uh, what we were seeing. Let me get my bigger picture here. This portion is what we were able to see in the 20 inch. Um, it does look like glare, but when you move the telescope, you can actually see that it is a part of the star field. Um, so that is something that is visible from dark sky sites. Give it a try. Um, when you're going out there. But the Pleiades is a great object for outreach events. And of course, it's stunning in a dark sky site because there's so many stars. Uh, photographically, there's so much dust in this region that you're going to be, it's just covered. Um, so shooting the Pleiades, you know, zoomed in looks good. Shooting it wide looks good. Um, I'm going imaging in like two weeks. I think that's what I'm going to try to do is get a big chunk of sky around the Pleiades um, just because there's so much dust out there. Um, so pretty cool stuff. Uh, that's M45. Uh, filters do not work on these. Uh, this is a reflection nebula slash open cluster. You just need dark skies to get that dust out. Um, that's all that's going to work. There's no narrow band capability in here for something like this. So dark skies, that's all you can do to get the dusty parts of uh, the Pleiades. But that's M45, looks good in pretty much any optic. You can see it naked eye even from town most of the time, unless you're in a terrible sky. 
Um, but even from here in Phoenix, um, you can see it. So it's a good object. It's a fun one. It's in Taurus. Um, excellent one to go after. If you're looking for something a little bit more challenging, you have NGC 7331 and Stefan's Quintet. Uh, this is up in Pegasus. Uh, NGC 7331, the Deerlick Galaxy is about 40 million light years. And then the Quintet is 290 million light years. Um, this is a fun one if you want to start getting into like galaxy clusters. Um, I'm saying you're probably going to need about a 10 inch telescope or larger to really start to glimpse the Quintet, which is this little thing up here little collection of galaxies um there's a lot of galaxies in this field as well but here's uh ngc 7331 this one's very easy to see with you know six or eight inch telescope from a dark sky and the quintet um is very small so you might this is where you're going to need some magnification don't be afraid to push the magnification if you've got some aperture to play with um, we were looking at this in the 28 inch daub that I've got a couple weeks ago and it looked pretty good. It's still faint, but, uh, make sure you put some magnification on it to like bust those galaxies apart. Um, don't be afraid to push it. If the seeing is going to allow you throw some magnification on, even if you're using like an 11 inch or 12 inch telescope, throw some magnification on there and try to bust up that cluster of galaxies to see what you can see. Uh, photographically, again, there's not, you just need good skies to do this. There is a lot of uh, flux nebula in this region as well. You can kind of see it floating around in there. Like a really good luminance frame would help bring some of that out. Um, or just lots of time in dark skies. Uh, this is with our Esprit 150 and a ZWO 6200 monochrome is what I shot this with. Um... But um, yeah, you can see that those clusters are fairly small. So some focal length is really going to help you out to bust up that cluster a little bit more. Um, but it's something to play around with. Um, but that is NGC 7331 and uh, the Stefan's Quintet. Um, another fun one to go after right now. Going a little darker, we have Barnard 174. This is up in Cepheus. Cepheus is pretty much just a pile of dust at this point. Um, visually, this would be extremely difficult. You'd need some really good skies and good transparency. That is the trick for dark nebulas in visual work. Um, good luck. Uh, Imaging-wise, dark nebulas are basically the absence of light. So you're really just trying to image the star field and this just happens to be in there. Um, dark skies and good transparency help. Uh, Barnard 174 just happens to be in a very dense hydrogen region as well. So adding some H alpha into your image will help pop that nebula out from the star field a little bit more. Um, but that's Barnard 174. It's a fun one. I shot this like a year ago, but it's a cool star field to go after, but I really do enjoy those dark nebulas. Dark and dusty, that's how I like them. Um, so visually, very, very difficult. Very dark skies, very good transparency. Imaging-wise, easier to do, but dark skies are a major advantage um, when shooting uh, dark nebulas. And then here's a little bit more high-res image there. Uh, moving into galaxies, we have NGC 891, which is a beautiful edge-on spiral in Andromeda. It's about 27 million light years away. Um, you can do this in like a 10 or 12-inch telescope. 
I always forget about this one because you have M31 and M33 that are normally taking a lot of the limelight for galaxies this time of year. But this one is a very nice edge on galaxy. You can see it. Dark skies are a major help for this. Um, and if you're not paying attention, like if you're trying to find this manually um, without go-to, you can actually ride over it without knowing it's there. It is fairly faint. It's not extremely difficult, but you want to pay attention um, when you're looking for it because it's fainter visually than you might expect it to be. But once you've got it locked on, you know what to look for. It's it's noticeably there. But some nice aperture on that would be helpful. So 10 or 12 inch or larger. Um, if you have someone who's got a really big scope, then definitely chuck it on there. Um, imaging, you can do this in town. You can do this in dark skies. Obviously, dark skies are always going to help. Um, again, no real filters can help you here. Um, there's not a lot of star forming regions that we can see here. So you could, I don't know that H alpha or any narrow band is really going to help you. You kind of just have to go for it. Um, but that's NGC 891. This was imaged with our Evo Star 150 doublet. I shot this a couple years ago. Um, but this was with our six inch doublet refractor. Um, and it came out pretty good. I think this was even from my backyard because I don't really get to image from dark skies. I have kids. Like it just doesn't work out that way. <clears throat> um, so that's NGC 891. It's a very nice galaxy visually and imaging. Another fun one is NGC 281. This is the Pac-Man Nebula because it looks like Pac-Man. Um, it's up in Cassiopeia. This one is actually fairly easy to do visually from a dark sky site. Um, obviously, the more aperture you have to throw at it, the brighter it's going to be. But a UHC or even an O3 filter will help pop this image out um, or this target out. Um, but it's fairly easy to find because it's right off the constellation of Cassiopeia. Um, but it's a fun one to go after imaging. It's a very easy target. You can do it in town. It's an emission nebula, a very bright emission nebula. So narrow band, it's very forgiving. Um, <clears throat> so if you've got a one shot color camera and you're using something like a Antlia dual band or an Optolong, El Enhance, or any of those multi-band narrow bands with a one-shot color, this is easy. This is a bi-color image, if I remember right. It's with HA and O3 is what I shot. And um, came out pretty good. I need to get back on it. But um, it doesn't take a lot of time to actually image uh, some of these targets. So that is uh, NDC 8 or 2... Ugh. 281 um, in Cassiopeia, and that is the Pac-Man Nebula. It's a fun one to go after um, visually and imaging. It's an easy one imaging-wise. And there's a higher res one. Uh, you want something a little bit more difficult? The Seahorse Barnard 150. This is also in Cepheus in that big dust pile of a constellation of Cepheus. Visually, good Freaking luck. Um, I need to try this next time I'm out in dark sky sites. The trick when you're observing dark nebulas visually is contrast. Um, obviously, large aperture is going to help with the light uh, throughput. Um, sometimes you're going to need <coughs> uh, wide field targets or wide field optics. You want 
but you want transparent and dark. That is the trick for observing dark nebulas. And it can be very faint um, seeing these things. Uh, imaging wise, dark skies all the way. Um, dark nebula are not forgiving. They are not helpful. Um, you just have to do straight dark skies. And I will let you know that moving forward, the totem targets are probably going to be composed of stuff like this. We definitely want to up the ante as far as the difficulty of the target of the month. It's a challenge. It's not supposed to be easy, um, but we'll get into that in a minute. But you're probably going to see more of these dark, dusty things um, moving into 2023 for uh, totem patches. Um, last target of the month, if you want a really good challenge, uh, is Mayall 2, also known as G1. This is the brightest globular in the Andromeda Galaxy. In the Andromeda Galaxy. This is 2.5 million light years away. It is visually doable. I have done it in a 10 or 12 inch. It's a little easier in a 16 inch. Um, I've done it in a 20 and I've done it in a 28 and I've seen it in a C11. Um, go to does help because the biggest issue with this target is how freaking small it is. Um, lots of magnification. I think when we last looked at it in September, October, uh, we had it in the 28 inch DAW, but we were at 250 or 300 power. It's small and it takes some time to star hop to it because it's elusive. You got to know where you're looking and it's not, in Andromeda visually it doesn't look like it's an Andromeda but it is a part of it um, it looks like a very 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 tiny version of M13 um, even imaging wise it's small so you need to make sure that you've either got some focal length or the seeing is really good where you're doing that one arc second per pixel or better um, seeing to really pop it out um, so this is Mayall 2 uh, here's a little better shot of it um, so you can see down below there, um, it looks like a little triangle and then blown up there. You can see the little triangle. It's two stars and then the cluster. Um, and then, of course, there's the Hubble image, which completely destroys it. Um, but this is doable. It is a visual target. Uh, you can definitely impress your friends with it because it's a globular in another galaxy. Um, but it's doable. Um, you can go to the Atlas of uh, Google Atlas of Andromeda. Um, the Atlas of the Andromeda Galaxy. Um, it's a whole website. It's actually a book and the book is fairly rare. Um, I have a copy of it. You can find them on like Cloudy Nights or Astromart if you look. Like 150 bucks. A uh, little tiny blue book. Like probably 10 by 10. Um, it's a pretty cool thing to have in a book collection, but it's, it's rare. Um, but if you don't want to go hunt down the book and spend money on the book, you can actually just look this up online. There's all the scans of it. Or this particular target is also in like Sky Safari. So if you want to pull that up and go observe it, um, that is Mayall 2 or G1 is the other designation for it. It's the brightest globular in the Andromeda galaxy. Um, so there's a challenge uh, for you to go after. It's just small. That's the biggest caveat is it's small, um, but it's doable. Um, in a 10 or 11 inch telescope visually and photographically. So good luck. Okie dokie. 
Totem, target of the month. Uh, so the rules of Totem are right here really quick. Um, you must provide an image by the end of the month. Someone emailed in and I hadn't responded to them about if they could use old data. No, you have to use data captured during the month. That's why we require FITS files or raw files so we can actually know that you took it. You cannot submit old data or old targets uh, or previously shot images for Totem. The whole point is for you to go out and challenge yourself and push yourself to, to image something maybe you've never thought about doing before. That's really what the whole point of Totem is and that's why moving into next year we're going to up the ante on targets. Um, we really want to challenge you to go out and try different things experiment with different things try to capture something that maybe you never would have thought about before and that was kind of how this month worked out um this month was a lot more difficult than the last set of targets have been um and those of you um who did do it good job um i do understand this was a very difficult target because it's big and it's faint uh, but before we get into that, I would like to introduce all of you to the new 2023 Totem Patch. Um, these will start shipping in January, but this is the 2023 Totem Patch that you'll get. Um, we are waiting for some new shipments of the final 2022 patches, so there might be a little bit of a delay for those of you who uh, we ran out of patches. Um, for 2022 so we have some on order so there might be a little bit of a delay for those of you who shot in November and December um, but we are going to get those uh, 2022 uh, totem patches for everyone who did this month and next month we're just waiting for the the next run of 2022 patches to show up but this is the 2023 totem patch um, these will start in are being shipped out of course in January whatever the targets are going to be but i'm i am letting you know that we are going to make these a challenge um to capture so um we do want to make totem kind of a kind of a prestigious thing where it's not just an easy oh i went out and shot whatever we want it to be a challenge so um this month was a challenge because this month we had you image Siamesis 147, also known as Sharpless 240. That's uh, a massive supernova remnant in the constellation of Taurus, aka the Spaghetti Nebula. Um, so, very, it's a challenge of a target. But here's some of our submissions um, that came in this month. Um, you guys did a really good job at capturing um, some of this because it's it is a big, big target. It's like three three and a half degrees it really needs a wide angle lens um but there's some good stuff did i do a typo here nope i got it okay um so you guys did some really good stuff there's a really wide field shot from matthew there um so thanks for everyone who did it um, and attempted to do it because it's a big difficult target uh, you can actually do this one visually with some major major aperture where you see some of the brighter filaments like these guys right over here um but yeah this was a hard one um and that's kind of what it's going to be like moving forward the totem targets are going to be very challenging targets um because we want to push you so um now december 2022 target of the month is the witch head 
Um, the Witch Head Nebula IC2118. This is right off of the constellation of Orion, particularly the bright star Rigel, which is a very difficult star to wrangle when you're imaging this object because you're going to get a lot of glare from it. This is a reflection nebula. Narrow band is not going to help you here. Um, you just need uh, dark skies at this point. So dark and dusty. Um, but this is the Witch Head. It's a reflection nebula. And that is going to be your totem target, the final totem target for 2022 before we switch over to the patches of 2023. So good luck with that. All that information is on our website. And uh, where are we here? Hold on. Um, you go up here. We'll go to the homepage. Support media target of the month. There's all the rules. There's the information on the target. Good luck. That is December. More power to all of you. Um, so real quick things. Um, if you like what you see here at the Skywatcher, what up web? What's up webcast? It'd help if I could freaking talk. Um, let me pull this back up. There we go. Um, let's see. Uh, if you like what you see here, please go ahead and subscribe. Um, if you want to know more, you can email us. Uh, we do have a podcast now, by the way. Um, all the episodes of the What's Up webcast have been broken into a podcast. Um, you can actually go to any of your major, your favorite place. It's on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, or if you're listening to this episode or any of our past episodes, obviously a lot of our presentations are graphic. Um, have graphics to them. So if you're listening to the podcast and you actually want to see um, what we're talking about, because obviously you can't hear about or see what we're doing, um, you can go over to YouTube and you can watch all the episodes with their presentations there. Uh, but we do have the podcast and all the previous episodes are up on Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, so that's that. Um, we do have our Threadless shop. Go check that out. Um totem witch head so good luck to you on that one and uh, that is pretty much it for today's episode uh check it out next week we're going to be talking about the brand new cq350 mount um let's see that's right here got too many things it's up on the website they're available right now you can go through your dealer you can go through our website whatever you want to do to buy them they're in stock and available to ship immediately pretty much um but this is the CQ350, our new 77-pound capacity equatorial. Um, so go check that out as well. And uh, yeah, uh, we are doing a whole episode on that next Friday. So join us for that um, next Friday. And then the final episode will be on December 16th, where we're going to do a panel with Trevor Jones from Master Backyard, Nico Carver, and Richard Wright, we're going to do an imaging panel with them. And that is going to be our final episode of the year on December 16th, that morning. And uh, then we go into the holidays at that point. But yeah, thanks for watching, everyone. If you have any uh, questions, go ahead and email them to us. We appreciate you hanging out. And uh, we will definitely see you guys all next week um, when we go over the CQ350. Uh, please have a safe... Um, weekend and uh, we will see you guys uh next friday so take care clear skies everyone bye